Well, welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. Merry Christmas Eve, as they would say, and as we would say to you this morning, what a wonderful morning of worship we've already experienced this far. And so for those of you who uh, may be visiting this morning or watching online and you're new, my name is George Olmstead, and I have the uh, privilege of sharing God's word with you this morning. I serve as one of the pastors here on staff. And so if you want to take your Bibles or your phone or you want to look on the screen, our text this morning is found in Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to continue our sermon series, and it's entitled Arrival. The one birth that offers you new life. And so over the past few weeks, we've focused on the birth announcements of Jesus. And we have spent time looking at the birth announcement of Jesus as it first came to Mary and then it came to Joseph. And this morning, we will continue to look at the birth announcement of Jesus as we find ourselves joining in the journey with the Magi from the East. So... Uh, anyone who has even the smallest or, or limited knowledge of the Christmas story understands that the Magi did what? They presented gifts to Jesus. And we also know that some of the details surrounding uh, their trip and their journey and, and where they found Jesus as it's displayed in the nativity scene of today, that, that that's a little bit out of sorts. But we do know this, that the one thing that is correct is that they brought gifts to Jesus. And so on the screen, I have a picture of my children celebrating the birth announcement of Jesus over the years. And we do this in our home through exchanging gifts. I did not ask permission from my boys for this one. So uh, I'll make it up to them tomorrow, maybe. But uh, here's the thing. Here's what we do. Every Christmas morning, we wake up and we gather on one of our beds in our home and we take out God's word and we read Luke chapter 2 and uh, and we uh, sometimes... It's been times where my wife, she's memorized that and she recites it to us, and that's really cool. And there's other times where the, uh, the boys, and now even Gabrielle, takes turn reading different scripture and different passages and different verses. And, and so we take a time just to, to be reminded and to celebrate why we celebrate Christmas Day and Christmas morning. And, and through that, we have a time of singing and we have a time of prayer. And we really bring in Christmas morning with the focus of that it's all about Jesus. Uh, And then after remembering the birth announcement of Jesus, we we celebrate by exchanging gifts. And and that exchanging of gifts in and of itself is a reminder of the story that we get to dive into this morning in Matthew chapter 2. So Matthew 2 begins in verse 1, and it reads this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, the Magi from the east arrived. In Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So here we see the revealing of the birth announcement of Jesus. And and Matthew does this. He lets his readers know the birth announcement uh, takes place after Jesus has already been born. He's been born in Bethlehem, and and this had been prophesied by Micah over 700 years before. And as we've discovered already in this series, uh, the town of Bethlehem was just this little insignificant town about six miles outside of Jerusalem. However, it's in this moment that after Mary gives birth to Jesus in that little town, Bethlehem, that now that town would be remembered forever. 
And Matthew goes on to remind his readers that King Herod was the ruler of the land, and it is he who the announcement was made to by the Magi. So who's this Herod the king? It's probably good that we we know who he is. He's known as the Great, and he was half Jew and half Idumean. He he arose to power in 37 BC, and, and he was known as this great builder of public works and a shrewd diplomat in his dealings with both the Romans and the Jews. As a matter of fact, he was oppressive in, in laying his tax and in, in laying taxes on the Jews, and uh, he conscripted labor from them over and over again. And as a matter of fact, as he grew older, this king, Herod, what he did, he became incessantly uh, paranoid about the threats against his throne. As a matter of fact, Herod had many of his own sons and many of his own wives and, and many others that were close in his circle. He would have them killed any time he felt that they were a challenge to his throne. And after frequent disputes with Caesar Augustus, the emperor, he uttered this famous pun that he would rather be Herod's pig than his son. That's the evilness of this king and the extent he would go to to make sure no one challenged his throne and his authority. Now, needless to say, uh, King Herod, who ruled by fear and ruled by oppression, he was not going to be thrilled to hear of this birth announcement from these magi. As a matter of fact, he definitely wasn't going to be thrilled that it was a new king, especially one of the Jews. And so Matthew goes on to tell us that the magi are from the east and they are looking for the one who has been born king of the Jews. So, so we understand who Herod is. We understand the setting. We're, we're in this place called Jerusalem and, and now we, we see the magi. And, and who are they? And, and why did they come to see this Jesus? Well, there's been much research done about this and uh, there's many... Uh, Folks that you can go and you can learn from, uh, one gentleman named Craig Chester, he kind of put some of these details together, and I took a few from him, and then I threw some other ones in here. But Magi, he, they came from the east. They could have been Medes or Persians or, or Arabs. And, uh, but what they did is they served the court as advisors, and they, did, uh, they made forecasts or they made predictions based on their study of the stars. They were quite wise and knowledgeable in this area. Uh, Magi, they often did this. They would wander from court to court, and they did that on purpose. They would go unusually far amount of distances to go and greet new kings or to present them gifts and to pay their respects. And so it's not surprising that Matthew mentions this about the Magi. It validates Jesus' kingship. And it really helps us understand why Herod, as we're going to read in just a few moments, takes this so serious. But we also understand that this wasn't just one time that this took place. Um, there are many uh, uh, forms of ancient literature that talk about the Magi visiting uh, other kings and emperors. One example would be Tiridates, the king of Armenia, who, who led a procession of the Magi to pay homage to uh, to Nero in Rome in AD 66. Josephus records that the Magi also visited Herod in about 10 BC. So a visit by the Magi to pay homage to a newborn king would not have appeared unusual to the original readers of Matthew. 
And so we look at this and we begin to see the pieces fall into place. If you remember what we read in Matthew 2, verse 3, it stated, not only was Herod disturbed, but also all Jerusalem with him. Man, these magi, they were such important individuals. And, and what happened is many times, what is it depicted? That there were three wise men that came, right? Well, we don't know that. The Bible doesn't say how many they were. And actually, tradition would tell us that they traveled in many numbers. And sometimes there would be soldiers with them. And there would be big entourages. And so when they came in, there was a scene that was made. And people paid attention. And they were going to bring some kind of good news and some kind of gifts. And they were going to make sure their respects were paid. And in this case, it's no different. So it's not surprising that Herod and the citizens of Jerusalem were troubled when they arrived. So again, we have the Magi who traveled this long distance over a lengthy period of time to find this king, the king of the Jews. And in Matthew 2.2, the Magi indicated that they saw something in the night sky that was so significant, it convinced them to do what? To make this journey to make this trip to Jerusalem to find this king. So when we think about this star, we can be reminded of the ancient prophets and the scriptures in places like Daniel and Isaiah and Micah and and even as far back to the prophet Balaam in the book of Numbers. Uh, These magi would have been familiar with these prophecies. Why? Because they studied all these different cultures and, and they knew about these signs that were in the sky. In fact, the evidence that that presented in these prophecies of the coming of a powerful Jewish king was well known to the many ancient, in the ancient world in the first century. For example, both the Jewish historian Josephus and the Roman historian Tacitus, they they wrote about this, this widely held belief based on ancient writings among the Jews of a great world ruler that would be from Judea. So it's likely, therefore, that the Magi followed the star based on their study of these ancient scriptures. So we have this quick exchange here in Matthew, early on here in Matthew chapter 2, and and we discover the Magi revealed to Herod that Jesus has been born. And what is their intention? Their intention is, we have come to worship him. And that's exciting. They've, They've come to worship him. So let's continue this journey with these magi to see how both, how both they and Herod respond to the truth of this birth announcement being revealed. Hey, when there's a birth announcement revealed, there's some, there's some, there's some different responses. Like we said earlier in the first sermon of this series, some are excited, others are not so excited. Have you seen the little clips that go around when mommy and daddy show the newborn baby to the firstborn child? It's not really accepted well, is it? Some of them hit him in the face, some of them cry, right? I mean, like, it's not always a great thing for everybody. But for others, the birth announcement is revealed, and there is joy, and there's a response, and we hug, and we kiss, and we talk in some foreign language that we don't understand to this little baby that's being held. We make all these weird noises, and it's a great response. Well, it's no different here in Matthew chapter 2, verses 3 through 9. It reads, when Herod... The king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born, and they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, 
For this is what has been written by the prophet. In verse 6, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. In just a moment, we're going to talk about those words, are by no means, if you want to highlight them there in your Bible. But Herod responds to the birth announcement of Jesus with fear. Herod is troubled upon hearing this news. His, his response would be better said that it's one of great agitation to the point that he's terrified. And he finds himself in a state of turmoil. As a matter of fact, you would not want to be in that room or in that area with Herod at this moment. But not only is Herod trouble, but all of Jerusalem with him. And if we really think about this, it, it makes really, really good sense. We we stated earlier, more than likely, that the Magi, they were traveling as a big group, but even more importantly, they were responding to a sign of Scripture. Now, all of Jerusalem knew these prophecies well. And here you have a group of Gentile wise men showing up ready to search for the promised one, the Messiah, the King of the Jews. And we've learned what how did the Jews desire or expect their Messiah to make his triumphant arrival? In this big, grand parade, in this warlike fashion that he was going to come and he was going to conquer right in front of their faces. Oh, but that's not how God chose to send his son who will eventually and has conquered sin, death, and the grave, and who will eventually conquer everything for all time. He chose to send him differently. And so the Jews, they weren't prepared for it to be played out like this. And Herod wasn't expecting to defend his throne and his land at this moment against some unknown child king. So out of fear, what does the scripture tell us? Herod does this. He, he calls together the chief priest. Uh, those are the ones who headed the 24 main orders of priests who lived in and around Jerusalem. And he calls in the scribes who were the teachers of the law. And not only did they become copiers of the scripture, but they were interpreters and appliers of the Old Testament as well. And, and he calls them all together to ask them, hey, where would this Messiah be born? When? Would this have happened? And with a definite and scripturally authoritative response, they affirm it to be Bethlehem. And we see that Matthew and, uh, uh, shows us that they spoke directly to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And it's interesting to note Matthew's additions of the words by no means. You see, Bethlehem, that little insignificant town that did not matter. Oh, no, no, they're, they're no longer insignificant anymore. Now it's a city of great honor, for a king has been born. And so we see that this affirmation leads to Herod not only responding in fear, but now he begins to respond to this birth announcement of Jesus with desperation. Then Herod, in verse 7, secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go 
and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. Now, we all know that Herod has this, uh, this loose affiliation with the Jewish faith. Uh, he uses it to his advantage. He mocks it. He, he, he's not necessarily what we would call a true believer, but he's going to use it to his advantage. We understand this, that, that Herod, boy, he made a habit to go to any length to protect his power and rule. Remember, he, he would take his own family members' lives if he felt threatened. So when he tells the Magi he wants to come and worship as well, we know this response is one filled with ulterior motive. There's a few things that we need to just kind of pause and kind of point out here to keep our journey with the Magi and our celebration of Christmas biblically accurate. Anytime we come to this passage and we see how it's played out in today's uh, commercialization of Christmas and, and even over the traditions of the nativity scene, we just want to make sure that, again, we, we don't know the number of Magi. We, we do know that the Magi and Herod both understood that Jesus had already been born. Uh, we do know that the Magi had been on a long journey since they saw the star in the sky when, when Jesus was actually born. And we understand that this journey histor- historically has been thought to have what taken at least maybe uh, two, uh, one or two years. However, the Bible does not say exactly. And the Magi, when they do find Jesus, they're not going to find him lying in a manger which he was laid in on the night that he was born. So as we've journeyed with them, we we come to understand that Matthew has shared with us Herod's response. But in verse 9, we get to see the response of the Magi. And when they finally see their journey, bring them to the one who they were seeking. Here's where the story takes a turn. And we begin to see that there's an opportunity from the Magi to move from wanderers to worshipers. In verse 9, we see this. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. This is a beautiful piece of Scripture. Think about what is taking place. The Magi respond to the birth announcement of Jesus by moving from wander to worship. For years, the Magi had wandered about their way. They, they have made several stops along the way as they, as they followed and moved towards the star. They, they even stop in Jerusalem thinking they have found where Jesus is, yet they still have a little further to go. But finally, they see the star standing over the place where Jesus is, this supernatural phenomenon that takes place. Folks have tried to explain it, and, and we've tried to use science, and, 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 and others have tried to work it out. Listen, there are some things that God just does that it's not our opportunity to try to figure it out. Instead, it's to say, God, you said it, we believe it, and we're going to move towards it. 
It's called faith. It's called faith. Don't be foolish in your faith, but at least have faith, right? And so we see that this, this supernatural phenomenon has taken place. The, the star is standing still. And the scripture tells us that they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Now, this is almost impossible to explain in English the meaning of this. But if we were to try to do it, it would mean they were moved deeply to this unusual depth of joy. They were, they were overjoyed to the max with the great abundance of this joy. They were dancing in the street. Their souls could not help but exude the joy within them. They, if to say they were doing cartwheels, they were singing, they were rejoicing. This was the, the happiest moment in their life. And why? Because they had found the king. They had found the king. They were no longer, longer wandering about, but now they were worshiping. And dear friends, this morning, this is what we celebrate specifically this season. We who believe, we get to be reminded every Christmas of why we should have this type of celebration every day. Because the king has found us, and we have found the king. We no longer wander in our sin and separation from our Savior. No, no. Instead, we now live in worship to our beloved Savior. Day in, day out, rejoicing that we are united with him forever. And Matthew goes on to explain, they, they fell to the ground and they worshipped him. They presented him gifts they had brought, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gifts only worthy of a king. Gold pointing to Jesus' royalty as king. Frankincense pointing to his divinity as the high priest. And myrrh pointing to his humanity and prophesying his sacrificial death for the sin of man. And so after worshiping Jesus, they, they, they are on the high of all highs. They're, they're the happiest they ever have been and probably ever will be. They are in that moment where they've met the king. They've, they've fallen on the ground. They are worshiping him. They are presenting him his gifts. And then in that moment, they're warned by God through a dream. Do not return to Herod. And with obedience, they went the other way. Man, think about that. They found the king. They worshipped him. They obeyed the Lord. And they went his way. Christians, that's what we do this morning. We have found the king. If you've placed your faith and trust in him, he has promised to save you and to forgive you, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, to have a relationship with you in this moment and for all eternity. And the simple ask of Jesus is this, follow me, go my way. And we get to do that through obedience and through submission and through joy and through worship. And as the Magi reveals this birth announcement to Jesus, to Herod, we see two responses. One, a response of fear and desperation but then a response moving from wonder 
to worship. And so there's a valuable lesson we learned this morning, and it's one's response will be reflected through their worship. One's response will be reflected through their worship. Herod's desire to worship was manipulative. It was self-centered. He wanted to maintain his authority and his rule. He desired to know the whereabouts of this child king, not for the purpose of worshiping him, no, no, but instead for the opportunity to kill him and end the threat to his throne. How do we know that? George, are you just making that up? No. If you just keep reading Matthew 2, verse 16, when Herod realizes the Magi are not returning with his request, what takes place? He decrees all male children to and under within Bethlehem and its radius to do what? To be killed. That is not the worship that God desires or places within us when we are true followers of him. There's not selfishness. There's not conceitedness. There's not manipulation. It's all about saying, Jesus, I am yours. I worship you because of who you are and what you've done and how you continue to work in within all that is taking place. I worship you because there's hope of an eternity with you. There's hope of relationship with you. There's promise of that here as I walk this earth. And Jesus, it truly is all about you. Herod's response to refuse to worship keeps him wandering in the spiritual darkness of sin and separation from God. The one who had sent his son to become the atoning sacrifice to set man free from one sin and eternal separation from the Lord. Here we see that Herod chooses to continue to wander. It's no longer the Magi that are wandering. It's Herod who continues to wander in his sin and his selfishness. But on the other hand, we see a different response from the Magi. We see it reflected in their worship. The Magi's desire to worship, it was heartfelt. It was God-centered. It was life-changing. The Magi, they worshiped through singing. I'm going to take a little bit of liberty there, so I'll step right over here. They worshiped through singing. How do I know that? Because anytime you rejoice from the depths of your soul, even if you can't sing, I'm testament to this, you try to do it anyways. You sing unto the Lord. There are so many great hymns and psalms and spiritual songs and Christmas songs and Christmas carols that I cannot even come close to hitting a tune. But when I hear those words about the great Jesus, our King, I just want to shout it out. And that's why I stand by myself a lot of times. But at the end of the day, I can't help but sing. That's one of the ways God has allowed us to reflect how much we love Him and how we desire to worship Him. They worship through rejoicing, through song. The Magi also worshiped through the hearing of the word. Listen, they were visited by God in a dream, but that was not the first time they had heard the word. As a matter of fact, if you remember correctly, they 
They heard and studied the scriptures. King Nebuchadnezzar assigned Daniel to the high office of the chief magicians and enchanters and astrologers and diviners. And in other words, Daniel was appointed the chief of the magi. In the book of Numbers, Balaam prophesied to the Babylonians. The magi had heard and, and, and were privy and had studied the scriptures. And this morning, how much more should we take advantage of the opportunity to hear and to follow the word of God. We know its truths. We've experienced them. We know that God is faithful to his word, that he will not leave us nor forsake us. We know that he cannot lie and he cannot change. And how do we know that? Because his word testifies to it. And it's inerrant and it's infallible and it prevails. Let us be worshipers through song and worshipers through the hearing of the word. And as we hear, as James instructs us, let us not only be hearers, but to be doers of that word. Let us worship in this way. But then the Magi worshiped through their giving. Through their giving. Folks, they gave very intentional gifts. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. But they also worshiped in this sense of obedience. Think about that. We're asked to give of our time, of our talent, of our treasure. We're to present the, the gifts that God has so graciously given to us, present them back to him. We're to, we're to be gift givers to others as we serve them as we love them, as we shepherd them. The Magi worshipped through their giving. But then they also worshipped through their response. And when we look at the two different responses by Herod and the Magi, it's not difficult to point to the response that reflects the worship of Jesus. The Magi, in that moment, they had instructions by two people by Herod and by God. To, one by Herod to return to him, the other by God to go the other way. And their response to the Lord reflected who they worshipped. Their obedient response reflected who they chose to worship. Boy, I'm so thankful the wise men made, or the, the Magi made that choice that day. Right? Here we see the Magi chose to move from wander to worship. So where are you this morning? That's the question. We've come to worship the king. I'm not one who likes to assume, but I would guess that in a room this size, there's probably some who are wandering. You're seeking for the answers to life. You're desiring to find out is this Jesus real? They're, you're wandering in that, that sin, that, that hopelessness, that lostness. And I say that because I've been there too. And I want you to know that you don't have to wander throughout this life. No, instead you can become a worshiper. A worshiper. 
And maybe that's where you are this morning, a worshiper of Christ. A worshiper who's obedient and willingly following and serving the King. That's our two responses this morning, to remain in a place of wonder or to become or to continue to be the worshiper that God has called us to be. So how will you worship your king? Your king. The one who left heaven to take on the form of humanity. The one whose initial throne was the manger. The one who helped Joseph understand that his devastation did not define his devotion. The king, the one who, who draws us from wander to worship, the, the one who went to the cross as our sacrifice, who was died and buried and rose three days later, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. How will you worship your king? Prayerfully, your answer is something like this. I will worship my king through exceedingly rejoicing through song through gaining wisdom by the hearing and the studying of his word, by giving graciously and sacrificially to him and to others, and by responding, and this is the one, by responding with a lifelong devotion to the one whose birth offered you this new life. So the question we live with this morning, how will your worship Reflect how you have responded to the birth announcement of Jesus. This is going to make for some good lunch conversation. Some good conversation before you wake up in the morning and do all the festivities. Individually, how will we respond? As a couple, how will we respond? As a family, how will we respond? In Fellowship Bible Church, as a church, how will we respond? And how will our worship reflect how much we love our King? If you want to just bow your head for just a moment, we're going to close in prayer this morning. Maybe this morning you have heard the gospel for the first time and you want to respond to Jesus. It's from the heart. It's simple. It's Jesus, you are the king. I repent. I place my faith and trust in you. I desire to worship you. Lord, save me. If that's a decision you made today, we have folks in the back that are on our prayer team. They'd love to pray a prayer of encouragement and to give you a few next steps in this newfound faith. If you're a worshiper this morning and you remember what it was like to move from wander to worship, but you've hit a, you stubbed your toe or you're stuck in a rut, can I tell you that the Lord is the same as he is and was when he met you? Let this Christmas season be a time of worship whether it's renewed or it's simply a reminder, let it be a time of worship as you rejoice in your King.
God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. Jesus, thank you for being willing to step out of heaven to arrive here on this earth to be laid in a manger as your first throne. We love you, Jesus. Amen.